Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Long Gang Stories. This is John Wan, your most handsome non-AI man ever on the face of the planet. And today we are talking about big data. Uh, this particular topic has been of an interest of mine for a very long time. I think there's been a lot of misconception about what exactly big data is. I tried to touch on it a couple of episodes back with Danny. Uh, it was a collaborative effort between me and him, the host of the Economical Rise podcast. We were talking about the the better help debacle, wherein there was uh, accusations being flung around of the company better help uh, masquerading as though they are like a company that provides therapy or that provides therapists, and what it might have been doing is to collect sensitive information about users. Uh, the reason uh, there was such accusations was the therapists themselves, some of them were not uh, clinically certified. And there was a lot of ch- uh, there was a lot of shenanigans in the terms of service regarding the company, but that aside. So anyway, uh, what are my qualifications? None whatsoever. So if you listen to all of this, take it with a grain of salt. Do your own research. But what I'm telling you is what I know, what I've uh, dug up over the past couple of years regarding big data. So let's just get a couple of things out of the way first. What the fuck is big data? All right. So. Definitions are kind of ranges, but basically is extremely large data sets that may be analyzed computationally to reveal patterns, trends, and associations, specifically relating to human behaviors and interactions. I think when most people hear this word big data, they kind of think of like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, whatever, and maybe even nowadays WhatsApp, and to some degree, maybe some of the online shopping that they do, Amazon, so and so forth, Lazada, whatever, right? And I think to a lot of people's mind, big data just simply means, oh yeah, you know, they are just collecting my my name, my age, maybe my credit card number, my shopping patterns. Oh, it's, it's even better. Well, then they know what I want or they can recommend me things that I may want. But big data is a lot more than that. They, they, they are not so much interested in an individual's uh, information per se, what they are more interested in are volume and volume of data they can provide inside. So basically, big data is huge. It can encompass any sort of data set. Um, But more and more, they are trying to figure out your emotions. They are trying to figure out what you are feeling and what you are thinking. Because if they can do that, then they can sell things to you. So a lot of times... When you are presented with a survey, right? So let's say I give you a form for you to fill and there's, there's sometimes, you know, there's those ladies or guys standing at the side of the MRT and they ask you certain questions, right? They, they ask you, they they're surveying you based on a certain topic. Now, having the observer there uh, creates this effect of I want to appear uh, sociable or likable to this person. So you may not actually, the, the, the answers that you give might not actually accurately reflect your true feelings or your true thoughts at the time of completing the survey. So it kind of like contaminates the survey. Now, when when it comes to big data, right, one of the one of the best things about it is they can go through a lot, a lot of information in a very, very short time for a lot of, lot of people. So what does that mean in terms of how to determine how you think or how you feel? Well, the best way to go about it is to look through your search history. So if you are so in, in the comfort and the privacy of your own home, right, 
as you are searching for things online, that kind of like your true desire kind of shines out. That is what you are truly thinking of. So let's say you're this priest that just bashes gay guys all the time. So you're you're going on TV, you're going on YouTube, you're going on in on in church or whatever, and you're just like you know, homosexuality is a sin, whatever. Just bashing gay dudes. But then in the privacy of your own home, you're going to, you know, gay porn hub and you're ordering uh bad dragon doodles and you're getting, you know, anal loop, whatever. So the search history is a very good indicator of who you are as a person. Now, normally the this kind of information is very difficult for human analysts to just go and compile and sit through, but what big data does okay is just to get as much data as possible just feed it into a machine whatever right just every whatever fuck thing just go and toss it into this fucking blender okay just just toss it in just just go just go just go anything goes and then subsequently some guy some computer software analyst or engineer or whatever will say okay what's important now what what are we trying to sell we're trying to sell bad dragon dildos so what do we do like do we just uh, sell these ads to any random person on the internet? Uh, no, that will just be a waste of time. If you try to sell it to a, a straight guy who is interested in baseball and Magic the Gathering cards, trying to sell him bad dragon dildos probably won't be very helpful for you. But if you know, for example, this particular pastor, you know he he is already looking for it with his search history, putting an ad on. On one of the websites that he's browsing, gives you a higher chance of having him click on the thing. So this is big data. The it's not so much about what well, the information about you specifically. It's more about your behavior, about the trends that you're gonna exhibit. And this is where a lot of people get this misconception about what big data is or why you know uh, tech software companies are collecting your information. They're not trying to figure out your age or where you live or whatever. That's not important to them. Well, maybe it's a little bit important depending on the situation, but I mean, they kind of want to know your general area. But basically, what they are more interested in is what are you thinking and feeling at the time. So this kind of brings about some ethical concerns, right? So like for instance, Facebook has sort of admitted that they have tried to sell ads to depressed teenagers. For example, they, they didn't outright come out and admit it. They kind of gave an apology at some point. And there's also some data and some documents suggesting that Facebook might be trying to do something along the lines, along those lines. But anyway, you can find this in uh, technologicalreview.com. It's one, um, this is a 2017 article. So according to the report, the selling point of this 2017 document is that Facebook algorithm can determine and allow advertisers to pinpoint Moments when young people need a confident boost. If that phrase isn't clear enough, Facebook documents offer a litany of teen emotional states that the company claims it estimates based on how teens use the service, including worthless, insecure, defeated, anxious, silly, useless, stupid, overwhelmed, stressed. So, if let's say you are feeling depressed, and they know that, for example, you like Magic the Gathering or whatever, so this is your vulnerable timeline, and they're just like, okay, here... Here's the here's the new booster pack for like a twenty percent off or whatever. On the face of it, it just sounds kind of harmless and whatever. But what if they are trying to sell you, for example, antidepressants? 
or they are trying to sell you, you know, certain therapy uh, services like BetterHelp, for, for instance, which has been proven to not be so much of a helpful tool at all. Basically, you are being manipulated into into services and goods that you may not need, but because you are feeling particularly vulnerable at the point in time, you decide that hey, this um this might be a good idea. So they're kind of capitalizing on your emotional vulnerabilities uh, during your low points. And this is where things get really, really fuzzy in terms of the ethics of big data. So everything that I just described, right? By the way, all this happened like years ago. I think some of you by now might also have heard of uh, Cambridge Analytica. So the the best scientific experiment or the best uh, scientific survey, right? Doesn't allow you to know that you are in a scientific experiment or survey. And this is best illustrated by Cambridge Analytica and how they go about harvesting all that information from the users and the users' friends. So what they are trying to determine is your personality traits. One of the things about the field of psychology, one of the more rigorous and tested uh, subset of uh, psychology is they kind of get this notion that everybody kind of fits into five broad personality traits. So it's extroversion, openness, conscientiousness, neuroticism, and agreeableness. So these are the five kind of traits that you have. So you can either score low or high or medium on on this axis. So for example, if you're a high extroversion, then you are what is typically considered an extrovert. If you're low on the extroversion scale, you're considered typically wise an introvert. If you're low on agreeableness, then you're a disagreeable motherfucker. And if you're high on agreeableness, you're a bootlicker, basically. So things like openness is how open you are to new experiences. Consciousness is how hardworking you are or how how much you determine kind of like what is important. Uh, neuroticism is just, you know, how fucking crazy you are. So and so forth. So with Cambridge Analytica, uh, what they were trying to do was to sell ads to Trump and Republican supporters. The genius of what Cambridge Analytica did, right, was that they got you to uh, hand it over to them, your psychological traits, without you knowing it. And they did it by getting you to participate in those, like, quizzes. So if you ever went on Facebook and you ever took a quiz of, like, what kind of a sandwich are you? Who is your spirit animal in this picture with a mishmash of animals? What do you see first? And then, you know, like, those crossword things where... Or what is the first three letters that you see in this crossword? So, a lot of it is just to dive into your big five or dissect your big five psychological traits. Knowing your big five psychological traits, they are able to do what is called micro-targeting. So, specifically on Facebook, they can tweak, they can just kind of like create a template for an ad and then certain portions of it, right, can be changed and shifted you know, using computers, of course, using software to fit your personality profile, to make sure that the ad really sings to you and it really resonates with you. And all of it is just based on the personality trait, the, the big five that we're talking about. Because you click on it and you say, yeah, I agree to let this third-party software access my information because of some, I think it was a loophole or like some sort of uh, bug that Facebook had. Uh, they, they not only did they have access to your information, they have access to information of your friends as well. So they can kind of uh, fit this profile of you 
of the, the general location that you're at. And they can micro-target you with ads in that sense, which a lot of people chalk up Donald Trump's success in the 2016 election to Cambridge Analytica. Now, whether is it true or not, we are not very sure. I mean, it could just be Hillary sucks, but we don't know. The point that I'm making is that such things are happening and it's happening right underneath your nose and most of us don't even know about it. Most of us still think big data is concerned with your date of birth and whatever. They are not concerned with your date of birth. They want to know your psychological traits. They want to know what you're feeling, what you're thinking, and they want to sell you shit that you don't need. They want to sell you shit at your lowest point, uh, when you need it least, whatever, and they just want to sell you stuff. They don't really give a shit about you. They don't want to know your birthday. They don't want to know your address, whatever. Okay? So let's just get that clear. So this has always been the first step of big data. This this happened years ago already. I, I spoke about it, I think, back in 2018. And I suppose back then, a lot of it is still kind of like human-powered. There's no good way of trying to get meaningful insight from all of this data. Not at that point in time. And the reason for that was just because humans are slow. Humans are, are you know, functionally, we, we, we are quite weak, right? We, we, we need rest. Our eyes get tired. We don't know what we're talking about sometimes. A lot of it just boils down to how creative you are and how inventive you are, how innovative you are in terms of extracting insight from this big set of data. And when I say big, I mean it's huge. I mean this is millions and trillions of data, of data points that sometimes doesn't make any sense. You, you can't just randomly pick a bunch of data points and try to get an insight out of it. Sometimes it just doesn't work that way. You do extract true meaningful insight you have to be very very selective and this was the age of humans right so we we didn't do a very good job now why am i talking about big data all over again why am i creating a new episode surrounding this topic well because the next stage is already here i and i think i missed the boat by a couple of months but i got news for you ladies and gentlemen big data has already entered the next phase which is uh, ai ai powered so once again, to clear up any, to, to set the term straight, right? Make sure there's no misconception. So an AI, basically, it's just artificial intelligence. And it is intelligence demonstrated by machines, unlike the natural intelligence displayed by humans and animals, which involves consciousness and emotionality. So AI is often used to describe machines that mimic cognitive functions that humans associate with the human mind, such as learning and problem solving. So the learning and the problem solving part is is uh, particularly crucial. And of course, at this point in time, it's kind of the same thing where you need a human programmer to come in and issue commands to the AI anyway. However, AI has come a long way. Like AI was developed way back when, right? I think even as early as the 70s. It was founded as an academic discipline in 1955. So that's even further back. So back then, AI... Uh, was kind of dumb. They didn't really do anything particularly useful, however. But they kind of like humans have kind of found a way around that, and they they kind of realized that okay, so AI can't really create new things. Like they don't invent something new, but they what they can do is to do something very monotonous, or to handle very huge sets of information with a lot more ease than a normal human mind could. So. How, how does it all kind of like uh, factor into big data? 
So let's first also talk about machine learning. So machine learning is the mechanism by which uh, big data is handled by AI. And what does that? What do, what do I mean by that? So machine learning is basically a function. To understand machine learning, let's use an example of let's say chess, like the English chess, right? If you want to program a computer to play chess, you can't simply have like a programmer input every possible computation and every permutation of every chess move ever. How do you counter this move and how do you counter that move and win at the same time? Like you, you can't. It's just it's just not possible. There's there's trillions upon trillions of moves that you can make, depending on the game that you're in, and the permutation is just infinite. There's no way a human programmer can just simply sit there and just input all of this one by one by hand, coding by hand. So the the way to get around such a problem is uh, fairly simple. The programmer just need to create one one program, okay, the first program. So let's just call this program A. So program A. All it knows and all it does is understand the rules of the game. So all I have to do is tell the, this program A, right? What are the rules of chess? So the rook moves in this way, the queen moves in this way, the pawn moves in this way, and the king can castle, so and so forth. Okay, so the, these are the rules. Once the rules are established, then I say, okay, now I want you to create other programs, other software that can play chess and win using the rules that I've given you. So you, you can't break the rules. So you can't have the queen just like magically teleport and just capture the king, for example. So you have to play by the rules and you have to win at all costs. Okay, you have to win using the rules. So what does program A do? Okay, I'll just... Program A will start creating other programs. So it will start by creating, let's say, program 1. So program number 1 will be a very rudimentary kind of um, chess, chess engine. So you'll play chess... But it would be fairly clumsy, doesn't know what it's doing. So it just kind of, okay, we just move this, we just move this. It'll lose. Then program A, seeing that it loses, okay, it's not very useful, delete it. Then now I know what do I need to do to help the next program become better. Now I know, okay, if you move this here, you are going to lose to this move. So program A now understands what is what causes program one to lose and i can now pro now i can create a program two that will avoid this mistake and try to win while avoiding this mistake and then program two will lose to in some other manner and then you'll just get deleted and then program a just thinks okay now now i know my first mistake and my second mistake i'm gonna ratify it and create program three and this goes on this goes on and on and on and on and in one afternoon, they can create thousands of programs, eliminating and eliminating the, the number of mistakes that it will make. Eventually to the point where it can mathematically calculate all winning moves on any given board. Of course, they are kind of constrained still by themselves, right? So generally speaking, machines don't exhibit creativity. They don't understand things like, for example, sacrifice for the long game. They don't understand maybe with a human player you know you can stress them out by playing with the clock so and so forth of course but all of these are human constraints as well and they are not bound by it and therefore they can they can just kind of come out with the mathematically best formula now today right uh, in the modern era there's no um human player that can defeat a chess engine 
I think that's just plain and simple. The, the machine will be able to calculate all the moves ahead of you. Like, they can calculate 100 moves ahead of you. You are maybe stuck at, maybe the best chess player in the world will be stuck at 15 moves. But the, the computer has no such limitations and its limitation is only based on the processing power that it has. So, uh, um, if you have a much higher processing power, it may be able to compute maybe, maybe a thousand moves ahead. Assuming there is a thousand moves in chess. La. So, machine learning kind of solves a lot of, a lot of the initial problem that AI has, which is that it's fucking dumb. Of course, the, now the issue is, okay, so we need to kind of do this for all the things, right? We need to do this for everything. It, for example, a machine doesn't recognize a type of fish, like from a photograph. So we can keep feeding it, you know, photographs of this fish that we want it to identify. And if you got it wrong, program A can delete the, the, the numerical programs again. Understand it's mistake, then I'll keep doing, keep doing, keep doing. So it's just a matter of time before machines can kind of like catch up to humans. Okay, so what? Okay, let's bring it all back to big data now. So big data. Having trillions and trillions of data points, right? Like what I mentioned before, you are not able to extract meaningful insights from this data manually. Now, what if you have a machine that just does the extraction for you? It just keeps going, right? You don't, you don't need it to be good. You don't need it to be accurate. You just need it to be fast. You just need it to be done. And that's where big data now kind of is there, there are kind of a bit of a crossroads where how do we maximize ai with big data and there is already some sort of, ans- of an answer and this answer is not going to be pleasant in fact the reason i am recording this episode is because i found it absolutely fucking terrifying what is what has happened right in the past six to eight months or so is the is the rise of a new type of uh, ai there's something called audience intelligence and audience botting. Audience intelligence is just basically a specific AI, right? Can listen in to a segment or to a section of the internet. So let's say, for example, right, you're a big brand. You are a big brand that sells extremely expensive sneakers and sportswear. What you want is to kind of understand the mood of your audience, the, the people of your, of your customers. Especially when you come out with a, a, a new marketing campaign that drives your new product, right? So you want to know what people are thinking and feeling about it. Of course, just monitoring your own website is well and good, but most of your customer base might not be talking on your website. They might be talking somewhere else. They might be on a separate forum that is dedicated to sneakers, or they might be somewhere else, you know, like a more general chat. Uh, they might be on Facebook, might be on Twitter. You don't know. They, they, they could be... In, uh, uh, in any number of places. So the problem is, once again, right, a human cannot just go in and start listening into all of these conversations that's going on at once. So even a community manager or whatever, right, cannot be everywhere at the same time. And you're certainly not going to hire one person for every platform because that's just ridiculous. It's just going to be too expensive. So audience intelligence basically means you have one AI. You kind of like tweak the parameters to say, okay, you know what, listen, listen into the people that, are, that whenever they use certain language, right? So they, whenever they talk about your brand, uh, maybe they use a certain hashtag. You can even like make it follow certain uh, influencers who are specifically highlighting your brand or talking about your brand a lot more. 
and you can tune in to what the audience are saying in real time. Let that sink in for a while. In real time, you can actually see everything that is going on with regards to your product if you tweak the parameters correctly. So this is big data because normally a human person won't be able to handle all of this information. They're just there will just be too much, especially bigger brands. So I mean, when you when I say big brands, right, I'm I'm talking like for example Disney. I'm talking, you know, fucking Adidas and whatever. Okay, I'm talking about international brands with uh, roots everywhere, branches everywhere, and they need this kind of uh, AI to just listen into to all these places on the internet and they can immediately get the information that they need to create the insights that they want now that's just the first step so let's say you have this uh, marketing campaign let's say it's going well let's say it's going super well your fucking audience love it they're, they're just like oh you know when it's gonna be released i want more i want it now so and so forth so of course if you kind of just let it be, it just might it, it might fizzle out. It might take a different turn. You know, maybe there'll be some bad actors that come in and just like shame your audience or whatever. You don't want that, right? You don't. You want the hype. You want the hype train to go on for as long as humanly fucking possible. So what do you do? Next step: audience botting. Now this is the part that terrifies me the most. Uh, of course, getting insight is one thing, but being actually able to do something about it is something else completely different and audience botting basically what it means is you send ai out to create profiles that mimics human profiles they are functioning as though they are your audience so an audience bot right and they will go out there and they will fan the flames of your hype train to get it rolling to, to detract from any negative comment and to encourage the positive comment. Now, what this does, right, is it creates this psychological feedback, right? So, for the people who are on board, when they see other people who are similar to them, they feel connected. They feel like, oh yeah, I'm in a community. I want to do more. I want to say more. I want to engage. I want to talk to these people. I want to kind of get on this train and, you know, really just encourage everybody to 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 be part of this community audience botting just basically means an ai that that disguises itself as a human comes in with a profile and then you come in and and say certain words that will encourage the marketing campaign now on the flip side let's say it's going terribly everybody fucking hates everybody fucking hates your new product your new marketing effort is going up in flames it's a fucking disaster okay so now you know about it okay you know with audience intelligence, you, you when while listening into all these segments of data, or maybe even just one segment is not going well. Okay, maybe just on Twitter is is fucking ter- is going terrible, but everywhere else is fine, right? So once again, audience bot botting can help. So just send the audience bot, create profiles, go onto this segment of Twitter, and try to swarm the naysayers. Just outnumber them. Just go in and say no, you're wrong. You've been debunked. You're, you are just uh, haters, you're just Nazis, you're Trump supporters, whatever, right? Just just go in, uh, you're racist, you're homophobic, you're transphobic, just go in there and just outnumber them. Outnumber your naysayers. And you can do that, right, with AI. There's no limit to the number of profiles that an AI can, pro- can, can create. 
and you don't even need you know real people's pictures or whatever there's a website called this pe- this person does not exist and it's just basically a amalgamation of you know regular people's faces and then they kind of merge it all into one and you can use it as a profile picture so there's no and you can create a profile that really mimics a human profile and then you just come in and you just outnumber your fucking naysayers to the point where if let's say a normie just walks in looks at the conversation and says hey you know maybe this thing isn't as as bad as what some of the other people are saying so you're kind of artificially controlling the flow of conversation and i think that's what's terrifying about all of this is that ai is now capable of doing all of this with the help of big data by capitalizing on you know how a machine can just scan you know huge segments of of the internet huge segment of of information provide insight to the company or to the person that is uh, involved in it and then after subsequently they can actually do something about it with functionally the same ai or you know a slightly different one to artificially regulate the flow of conversation and i think that's really really horrifying now before any of you just come in and just like ah you fucking john you know nothing what the fuck are you talking about let me just share a story okay so this happened back in 2017 so the fcc at that point was calling on public comments about net neutrality so the fcc is the federal the u.s federal communication commission and they were considering regulations regarding net neutrality. The, the principle that internet service provider must treat all data the same, regardless of the origin or purpose of that data. So they open up to the, to the public to submit comments. In about the period of, of roughly four months, 21.7 million comments were submitted electronically and posted online for review. Here's the thing. Many submissions seem to include false or misleading personal information. About 57% of the comments utilize either duplicate emails or temporary email address created with the intention of being used for a short time, then discarded. There is clear evidence of organized campaigns to flood the comments with repeated messages. Of the 21.7 million comments posted, 6% were unique. The other 94% were submitted multiple times, in some cases hundreds of thousands of times. In fact, the 7 most submitted comments six of which argue against net neutrality regulations comprise 38% of all submissions over the four-month period. This is back in 2017. Now, it's highly suspected that there was some sort of AI involved. Of course, you can see that it wasn't very sophisticated. With a very simple scrutiny, you can actually find out that most of them were duplicates, most of them were fake, most of them were just repeats. This is 2017. I don't know about you guys, but I'm fairly confident that first thing first, whoever created that has already learned their lesson. And second thing is that there is so much more that AI can do now. Like we have under we we know so much more, we understand so much more. There is no need for the AI to repeat and duplicate message already. There's already writing softwares out there that can create multiple variations of the same text, multiple permutations of the same message. Like I said, you can create throwaway accounts that on the just without scrutiny just appears real. So back then it was like 21.7 million, right? Now you can do a lot more. I mean, we are talking maybe billions here. Now it's not inconceivable for 
a small community of let's say sneakerheads. Maybe there's like a maybe there's a million of them worldwide. Creating two million accounts to go and drown out the voices of certain naysayers is not in the realm of science fiction. This this is happening. There's some evidence of it happening already on certain image boards and forum boards. And to some of you guys who, who will say, Well, John, you already admitted yourself all these profiles are bot created. So why don't you just go and click on them and find out that they are bots? Well, are you going to fucking click on like a million of them? Are you going to scrutinize every single one of these motherfuckers? And even if you do, right, like, what then? Like, do you think the average normie is going to come in and scrutinize it together with you? Like, if you try to say that these profiles are bots, what's stopping the same bots from coming in and just drowning you in the opposite direction? To just say that, no, we are, they're not bots, you're just a... You know, you're just a conspiracy theorist. You're just some guy who drank, like, the fucking Trump Kool-Aid, the QAnon crowd, and, you know, you just see shadows everywhere. You're just a paranoid schizo motherfucker who forgot to take your meds. What's stopping them from doing that? Uh, is Are you going to just simply click on every fucking profile and make sure that they are not bots? No, you're not. Nobody's going to fucking do that. Of course, everything that I just said only applies to private companies, right? So these are private companies coming in. They are... They are buying bots from, you know, hide from tech firms and whatever, and they're just trying to manage their brand, right? Nothing wrong with that, right? Um, no. Nothing wrong with that. But the implications of the technology is there. And I believe it's only a very short amount of time before politics get their hands on it. And I tell you, if this, if this thing reaches the hands of politicians, you will never hear a dissident narrative ever again. You will never be able to question the establishment, the status quo. You will never have an opposition in your country's political system ever again, no matter what. So just think of it this way, right? Let's say right now in Singapore, the opposition tries to criticize something that the ruling party has said. Let's just say there's a new, you know, dominant party in town now, okay? It's the John Wang party, whatever. So the John Wang party comes out with some new policy, right? Opposition try to criticize it, try to say, hey, this thing sounds fucking terrible. Now, with my audience intelligence, with my audience botting, I will know who is talking shit about me at what section of the internet and I will send my bots to go and counter the narrative to say that, hey, this guy is talking shit, he's been debunked. Here, look at this article that my bot has written clearly states that everything this guy is saying is false. I'm going to get my news news agency to go and peddle it. Okay, I'm going to get talking heads, like critical observer to come up and just say, just scream debunk, debunk, you know. All these guys are just brainwashed naysayers. They're just uh, worshipping this cult of personality and they have no basis in fact and reality. That is the terrifying new world that we live in. Now, is there a way around it? Can we fight against something like this? And the short answer is, I don't know. The long answer is, I don't know, but I'm not hopeful. Previously, when I was talking about big data and I was talking purely on the on the basis of, okay, so big data is more than just collecting your data birth or whatever, right? They are more interested in your psychological profile, your, your, your big five personality traits. My suggestion back then was to just simply corrupt the data. 
it functions a bit like an ad blocker. So for those people who have ad blockers, you know what I'm talking about. For those who don't, let's say you have, uh, you're sick and tired of watching ads on YouTube, right? You can install ad blockers on your browser. They will stop the ads from playing on YouTube. Some websites will want you to disable the ad blockers before you can consume the content. In those websites, right, you know that, okay, these, these motherfuckers, they are gathering my information. They are trying to sell me stuff. It's up to you to say, I want to disable the ad blocker or not. Currently, right now, without the ad blocker, you wouldn't know. You, there's, you, you, you may have some idea or you may, uh, think about it from time to time, but you'll still just consume the content without thinking about it. And therefore, the advertisers win. But with the ad blocker, they ha- they have to come out with this big message on in front of your screen to say disable your ad blocker or else you can't watch it. So this kind of like puts you on a on a guarded mindset and think, hey, do I really want to watch this video, this three minute video of a puppy chewing his own tail, so that I so that advertisers can get more information on me? No, I don't. Fuck off. Click off. Or you have the opposite that your opposite thinking. Hey, you know I really want to see this fucking dog chasing a cat yeah sure have my information it's up to you to decide you can you can make the decision you can make the informed decision with corruption of data it's the same thing so you corrupt your own data all you're doing is sending gibberish you're not sending out the correct information about yourself and any corruption of data makes the whole data set unreliable it no longer it no longer gives you the ads that you are supposed to see gives you some other ads so let's say i'm a like 40 year old man and then it gives me ads for tampons then i've won because i don't ever need it and that will only happen with corruption of data so my data become corrupted to make me look like a 24 year old woman they're trying to sell me tampons wasted advertising money on this ad targeted at me fuck you that was corruption of data back then I thought that could work. With audience botting and audience intelligence, I don't know. I don't know what would work. Honestly speaking, if it's up to me, I'll just say shut it all down. No audience intelligence, no audience botting ever. But it's not up to me. I don't know what is the solution to all of it. AI is a very, very powerful tool. It's very, very innovative. It will help humanity a lot. I mean, it will reach the point where AI can diagnose a person, a, a sick person, much faster, much more accurately than a human doctor could. AI could help pro se litigants, so um, people who can't afford lawyers, to defend themselves in court. That that is the power of AI. It will really change the game. It will upset the power dynamic in the world. But if we are not careful, the powerful can seize upon AI first to just permanently secure power for themselves by squashing dissident's narrative with the power of AI. And that is a world that I do not want to live in. So that's all I have for today. If you like this content, do let me know about it. Give me a like, send me an email, subscribe, tell your friends about it, share this information, go and read out more. Like just find out more for yourself. Everything I say, take it with a grain of salt. If you read up about it, I guarantee you, I'm not even painting you a picture that is like, as terrifying as it should. If you knew what I knew, you'd be shitting your pants as well. So go ahead and find out more. Let me know what you think. And I will see you next time.